Welcome to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. Did you know that we're on iTunes and SoundCloud? Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on either of these platforms so you'll never miss an episode. Today, we're going to tackle a heartbreaking tale that happens all too often when it comes to abortion providers and the facilities they operate. Just last week, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a Louisiana law in a 5-4 vote requiring abortion doctors to have hospital admitting privileges. Now, we most recently finished a documentary film titled Inwood Drive that shares the true story of a battle between a community that vowed to protect women from the sloppy abortionist who was butchering women at his facility. This film has a lot to do with admitting privileges. I'm your co-host, Amber Archer, here with my husband and business partner, Mark. Co-host number two. Hey. (laughs) We're going to pick back up where we left off from the companion book to the film and discuss chapter four, The Death of Gail Ann Vroman. Yeah, chapter four is a is a really it's a it's a heavy it's a heavy one. I think Uh, it's when you when you um, I think the thing that I've I've had to come to terms with is the amount of sadness, just mm -hmm. the content and discoveries that you find every time you go and research something. Yeah. So the, you know, the, the companion book to the film, as we've said, is really the rest of the story. It's all of the things that you can't fit into an hour and a half film. And the story of Galen Roman is one that we found early on in our research. And I really wanted to incorporate it into the film. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's decisions that you make all along the production process. Um, and while the story of Gail and her life was, is certainly worth preserving. And that's why there's a whole chapter in the book about her story. Yeah. Dedicated, dedicated to her her and her baby. Um, it, there wasn't really a a good way to work it into the story of Inwood Drive, the the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 movie was really about the battle in Inwood Drive. And Gail Ann Broman uh was a victim of the abortionist at the original abortion clinic when it was on Webster Street yeah, downtown, downtown Fort, Fort Wayne, Wayne mm-hmm. way back in nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. So um um and I just, I, I guess I'll give my, I, I guess you would call it a disclaimer. Um, I, we did not, um, we didn't try to reach out to Gail's family. I don't even right. know how many of them there still are. Yeah. Um, if her parents are, are around still, I, I, they may be. Um, I understand she had at least one sibling who was mentioned in, in the, the documentation that we found, but, um, there's, when you're, when you find stuff like this and you, you make those decisions of, well, should I try to contact these people and get more information? Mm -hmm. And then you go, well, does it matter to the story? And Mm -hmm. it's not to say that it doesn't matter, but when, when it was, when we realized that it really wasn't something that fit into the storyline of the film, then I thought I'm just going to leave it. Um, so if they hear this, um, I just hope that they understand that this is done. 
this this chapter in the book was written really uh, to preserve her memory. Yeah. I I don't think that I don't think that anybody else really has. Well, because you see that so many times um, these things these things are not talked about. Nobody right. wants to admit that these things actually happen. So why don't you tell everyone what happened to Gail so that we can get context and go ahead and start this chapter. Right. So let me just read the first couple paragraphs from chapter four. In June of 1978, the first abortion clinic opened for business in Fort Wayne, Indiana. On Saturday, July 14th, 1979, one year and more than 1,300 abortions later, 20-year-old Gail Ann Vroman was brought to the clinic by her boyfriend to have an abortion. Within a few hours of the procedure, Gail began to have serious complications and was advised to go to the hospital immediately. Her boyfriend drove her to Lutheran Hospital, where she was quickly admitted. On Wednesday, July 18, 1979, Gail Ann Vroman died in the hospital from complications of her abortion procedure. A fatal infection of Clostridia perfringens, also known as gas gangrene. She died just four days after her baby. Both were victims of the abortionists. And nobody went to jail or even faced charges. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to make a side note here that this is based on uh, research from the files of Frank Avila, who was Kathy Humbarger's predecessor at right. Allen County Right to Life. Right. And Frank died a few years ago, and mm-hmm. we put a special uh, dedication to him in the credits of Inwood Drive. Um, this was a, an extensive file that Frank had kept. Well documented. Very well documented. Absolutely. Um, and I can tell you that um, that Frank or someone from Allen County Right to Life at the time even attended her funeral. Right. Because we have copies of her death certificate. We have copies of uh, her, um, the pamphlet from, uh, from a funeral yeah. service. Yeah. When uh, we have all of that, you know, original documentation mm-hmm. in the file, um, this was also based on uh, public information. This was headline news in the Fort Wayne paper in 1979. So a lot of it is publicly available um, and also based on the coroner's report um, at the time. So um, this is just a, it's a it's a terribly sad story it is gail uh, i we don't know really much else about her other she was than 20 years old that she was 20 and she came in for what was supposed to be safe and legal a safe and legal abortion um and one of the things that we did uh, was when we interviewed dr jeff cly mm-hmm. who is a central character in the film yes. we and he is a board certified OBGYN. Mm-hmm. And so I made a copy of all of these documents and I gave them to him and I told him the story and I said, when we interview you, could you please comment on these, you right. know, explain that to us because in layman's terms, so in layman's terms, you know, how, what does this mean? Right. And so he did. And so and that particular part of, um, Jeff's interview did not make it into the film, but we have it here. Right. And I'm going to share it with everybody now. So let's listen to this. In the case of Gail and Vroman, um, 
that occurred in 1979. Unfortunately, she had several things happen um, and a cascade effect of problems that led to her death. One of the things that happened is she got an infection called Clostridium perfringens. And it's a type of a bacteria that actually um, has a toxin associated with it. So more than just an abnormal bacteria, this thing, this bacteria puts out a toxin which causes damage to the tissue. This bacteria is, is now listed to be in women up to 9% of the time that it can be just in the genital tract, in the GI tract. It can be in the GI tract of men. It can be found in the dirt. It can be found, and so therefore it can also be found in uh, bowel movement matter or feces because it's in the GI tract. And so it doesn't always activate. But in, in this case, this she had an overgrowth of this uh, bacteria. And when this bacteria grows and attaches itself to muscles and puts out the toxin, the toxin causes a breakdown of blood cells. And so then the bacteria is there, blood cells are surrounding it, trying to uh, heal. And the white cells come in, your body's natural white cells try to heal this bacteria and it's fighting by putting out the toxin, which is just degrading and disintegrating the blood cells. So then your own blood, even though it's inside you, is breaking down and you essentially don't have any blood that's carrying oxygen or enough blood that's carrying oxygen that goes to your tissues. So this is where we, people have a fast um, sepsis and a life-threatening sepsis. So now it's spreading through the body very rapidly. And then when the kidneys gets to the kidneys and they don't have enough um, blood going through them, then they start to, to fail. So the kidneys filter the blood but if they need blood themselves in order to work. So if the blood can't get to them, they can't filter and they start to fail and then the, your system backs up and then the toxins build up, which unfortunately leads to death in a, in a pretty rapid way. So, and you, you hear there at the end that Jeff says, you know, that it leads to death in a pretty rapid way. In Gail's case, she had the abortion Saturday morning and she was dead on Wednesday. Right. Um, and we asked him how common is this today? And he said, basically, this can still happen today. The only difference is that the, the medical technology that we have today, it's, it's more treatable, mm -hmm. but this is still something that's very, it, nothing has changed mm -hmm. <laughs> just because the medical technology has gotten better. Doesn't mean that this infection doesn't still happen. Um, it doesn't mean that the abortion procedures have gotten any better or more safe. Right. Either. I mean, if, if you look at, you just have to do a quick Google search and find, you know, the abortion facilities who don't want call in and tell them don't run your sirens because of the pro-life people, mm -hmm. you know, and there's always these cover-ups. There was just a woman, Serena had mentioned her, there was just a woman who died in front of her children. Yeah. After having an abortion just, just, you know, a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that's a lot more common than is admitted. It's covered up mm -hmm. all the time by mm -hmm. the clinics and the media doesn't want to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Um, let me read another excerpt here. So this is from, this is from the book. So from a July 26, 1979 meeting between Frank Avila, former president of Allen County Right to Life 
in Fort Wayne, and Allen County Coroner Dr. Roland Albrand, so coroner at the time, quote, this is the coroner's report, quote, the victim admitted, the victim was admitted to Lutheran Hospital on 7-14-79 under the care of Dr. Ramesh Bahat. At the time of admission, her blood count was over 14, and I had to look that up. That's that you see, that's your white blood cell count, and that means that you have a serious infection going on. By Monday, the 16th, she appeared flushed. Uh, so the medication Demerol was discontinued, and her blood count then decreased to five. She was not instrumented at Lutheran Hospital until 1 a.m. Tuesday, the 17th. At that time, Dr. Bahat performed a DNC followed by a laparotomy. So a DNC is dilation and curatage. Uh, laparotomy is an exploratory abdominal surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, since the growing organism Clostridium perfringens attacks the blood, the low blood count on Monday prior to the 1 a.m. surgery indicates that Lutheran Hospital was not the site for the introduction of the organism. That's an important part. Yeah. Of this, she did not catch this. She didn't catch this infection at the hospital. Right. She caught it before that. Well, what happened before that? Right. She had the abortion. She had the abortion prior to her. The victim entering the abortion chambers, she was asked by women's health personnel, and that's women's health is Fort Wayne Women's Health, which was which is the abortion clinic. Right. Um, if she had instrumented herself, she stated she had not. After the abortion, her boyfriend, who transported her in his car to Lutheran Hospital, also said that she had not instrumented herself. According to Dr. Albrand, there is no choice but to accept these statements. However, the Women's Health Organization admittance form had no place for this question. Therefore, the organism was either introduced into her at the Women's Health Organization or she carried it in her vagina. References indicated that a significant percentage of women carry this organism in their vaginal tract. In any case, the exact cause of the infection is unknown. It was it was a mystery, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, only by by the sheer fact that y- you nobody wants to take blame. Nobody I mean, wanted to take blame. That's the thing. Uh, there was no there was no immediacy to going back and doing an inspection at the clinic because by the time this had all happened, the clinic had had still been running for several days. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in terms of a crime scene, that crime scene has been corrupted Mm -hmm. several times over. Mm -hmm. So, um, Gail Ann Broman went into the Fort Wayne women's health clinic for a quote, safe and legal abortion on a Saturday morning and was dead at 11.22 a.m. the following Wednesday. The infection dissolved her red blood cells, which clogged her kidneys and caused them to fail. Even though she was put on an artificial kidney machine, she was not able to be saved. The abortion clinic, quote, voluntarily, end quote, suspended their operations for one day, Mm -hmm. then picked back up again where they had left off after an inspection. Uh, Nobody went to jail. Dr. Taxin, I'm going to butcher his name, Ratharathorn, the New York abortionist who killed Gail's baby, did not lose his license. There were no charges filed, even though Dr. Albrand, the coroner, stated in his report, quote, 
Had she not had the abortion, she would be alive today. Adding to that, this is just one of the risks you take with a safe and legal abortion. End quote. Wow. Gail's death was ruled as accidental. Her death certificate, cause of death, reads Clostridium perfringens sepsis with a massive homolysis and renal shutdown. Wow. And those of you in the medical community, forgive me, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> it was important, I think, to preserve the memory of Gail, even though we have, I have no idea, other than what I have seen in this paperwork, who she was. Uh, well, she was, she's, she's just definitely a part of our journey mm-hmm. and, and the work that we've been doing. And it was just, it was important to acknowledge these people. Yeah. And it's like when you see the right to life people are the ones who care the most. Exactly. They're the ones who are going to the funerals. Even after the abortionist died, guess who was the one standing there saying, you know, we befriended him, mm-hmm. it, you know, as best we could. It's about souls. It's about lives. It's about Christ. It's and it's a it's such a stark contrast like you said, who are the ones who who do any amount of mourning for any of the dead in Mm -hmm. this, in this battle. It's, it's the pro-life people. It's the Christians. Um, the, the battlefield is strewn with not only the bodies of the babies, but the bodies of, of the mothers Mm -hmm. who have fallen victim to this kind of thing. And many others there are, and there are clinics that are notorious for this. Mm Um, in fact, I've, I keep saying that there's another film there somewhere, um, you know, telling these stories of these, of these other women that the world is happy to just forget and just say, well, write it off and and sit down and be quiet because we don't want to hear it. Exactly. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to talk about it. Oh, it's too sad. You don't want people to hear about this. Mm -hmm. No, people need to hear about this. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I noticed as I looked through the file was that um, the people that show up in these uh, newspaper articles, the the clinic owner, the woman who owned the clinic when Klopfer started working there, and in fact, she's the one that sold the clinic and the business to Klopfer. Mm-hmm. Um, she is front and center uh, in in these newspaper articles and she's the the one who who started the clinic and just barreled right through did not matter one bit to her other than the fact that she lost a day's income and um and even back then they were itinerant physicians in other words they were coming in from out of town um the abortionist that killed gail's baby and eventually killed Gail Mm -hmm. was from New York Mm -hmm. and he didn't lose an ounce of sleep. I'm guessing over, over what happened. Let me close it with this part of the, of chapter four. And so on Saturday, July 21st, 1979, Gail's family held her funeral service at Tid and Williams funeral home in Homer, Michigan. Gail is buried in Fairview cemetery in Homer, Michigan. Her baby was disposed of as surgical waste and thrown into the trash at the abortion clinic in Fort Wayne, Indiana. 
Gail's parents not only had to mourn the unexpected loss of their 20-year-old daughter, but also mourn the loss of a grandchild to whom they could not even give a proper burial. Gail had a proper burial, but her baby was discarded in the landfill with the garbage. Uh, Gail Ann Vroman was not the only case linked to the Fort Wayne Abortion Clinic of abortion complications causing the ultimate death of a mother. However, many others are difficult to fully confirm as they are not documented as well as Gail's story. Many others have been covered up even by the families of the deceased. So in the end, after only losing a day's worth of income, Fort Wayne's safe and legal abortion clinic continued on. A few years later, a young osteopath named Ulrich George Klopfer would start doing abortions there as well. It was near the beginning of what would be a career that would make him the most prolific abortionist in Indiana, Mm -hmm. which leads into the next chapter, which we'll get into on the next episode. That's right. But I, I hope that people that hear this will, um, will spread the, spread the name of Gail and Broman around and that they will remember, use this part of the story as a way to remind people and remember that, um, the these, dangers, the dangers the are there dangers. and there are people I hope that people understand that even if it's just us, that there are those who are willing to stand up and say, we will not let these deaths be in vain. Mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't know anything about Gail other than what we found in the report, but her name is remembered mm-hmm. as is her baby. That's right. So the, the, the end of chapter four of the book in Wood Drive. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for joining us today, and we'd love it if you would leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help make it easier for others to find and listen to. Friends, be encouraged. We will keep fighting this fight together, and we appreciate you and appreciate you listening. Mm-hmm.